Network puts you at the track with ARCA and all the major NASCAR series. From Daytona to the final checkered flag, the Hot Pass Racing Network is your inside pass. Good morning, everyone. We are going to kick off media availabilities today at Atlanta Motor Speedway with driver of the number seven Spire Motorsports Chevrolet, Corey LaJoy. Um, if you have a question for Corey, please raise your hand and we will get a wireless microphone over to you. We'll start right up here with John. John Newby, NBC Sports. So obviously when you have, you know, one young teammate and then another de facto young teammate coming in, I was curious, apart from winning and, you know, sponsorships, all that stuff, what are you as a veteran kind of looking for? What factors do you want them to bring to the team? Uh, I mean, I think for us is is a, is a consistent feedback in those two cars where the it's really been a one-car team, more or less, kind of functioning as a two-car operation the last couple of years with some part-time guys, and you know there was some crew chief turnover throughout the course of the year last year on, on the 77. So I didn't th- think Ty got a great shot at it, but um, there was just a lot of inconsistency with the other cars. So just getting a little bit of consistency there. Carson's been doing the majority of the sim hours for us, validating tires and things like that. So that allows me to be at home a little more with the kids, and then when I can go. On Thursday evenings, you know, for two, two and a half hours, I can really plug in and focus and try to get our stuff fine-tuned for the weekend. Um, so, bless you. So, uh, I think for us, just consistency in the 77, consistency in the 71 will help the baseline of our, our team collectively, uh, which is something we've had a hard time with the last couple of years. And then uh, are there things that, like, I mean, you can teach them that they may not necessarily think of, at you know, when they're coming in a couple years initially, like whether it be just pit stall entry, things along those lines? Uh, I mean, those guys are pros, man. Those guys are championship guys in the truck series. And, you know, I don't I don't have the credentials next to my name statistically to for those guys to probably want to listen to what I have to say. But, um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And they've asked some, they've asked some good questions. But at the end of the day, too, it's just like when your dad tells you to do something, you're not going to listen until you actually figure out to not, not do it yourself. Um, but those guys have a lot of good people in their corner, whether it's Josh Wise and Scott Speed and everybody from GM to help help just prepare those guys for Sundays because it is a large learning curve. And, um, you know, we're getting the, the better parts and pieces and people uh, to compete on Sundays as well. So uh, it all it – all, I mean, it's the learning curve is much steeper if your cars aren't fast. So if we bring fast cars to the racetrack, that learning curve flattens out a little bit, and I think those guys can succeed. All right, we'll go to Jacob and then Lee. Jacob Zillman, Race Face Digital. Corey, uh, I know the last couple of years you've had a lot of confidence at draft-style tracks. Does the near win, the run that you had here last year, give you an extra sense of, hey, we can really go out and do something this weekend just from the knowledge of you were right there last summer? Uh, I have a lot of confidence every week. It just drafting tracks isn't uh, such of a handicap for for what I've uh, what I've had to, to drive the last couple of years. But you know, after the reconfiguration here, we've obviously run well. Talladega and Daytona is somewhere you can play chess with a little bit slower horse and, and take advantage of some guys that that might get too greedy or something like that. Where uh, those were my only opportunities to succeed. Now. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to succeed on short tracks and intermediates and, and road courses as well. Um, but going in here, 
you know, you, you don't want to circle a speedway as your chance to win because it's a lot of it's out of your control. You can do your best to put yourself in a position to win, but um, it, sometimes it doesn't bounce your way. But we know we've done it pretty much every race here in Atlanta to put ourselves in position to win, so I think we're going to do the same thing here tomorrow. How different is that chess game in the draft here at Atlanta compared to Daytona or Talladega? Is it more mental or does it get tougher considering the fact that the groove here is a lot narrower and there's a lot less space to be able to avoid if something goes wrong? It's like speed chess, right? Talladega's chess, but you kind of see runs happening and you see runs forming and the energy of the lanes coming and going a bit slower here. Uh, your runs come and they close and the, and the holes open and they close probably double the speed is what they do at Daytona and Talladega. Um, and, and I think a little bit of it, not a little bit, much more of it is handling here at Atlanta too. So if you have a good handle on a car, you can you can be aggressive and where guys are, have to roll out that their cars are more trimmed out, they're hanging on halfway through the run. And we've had, we've had some really good driving cars here. Um, and you got to have some friends because if you make that move to the bottom or the move for the lead and you got to, and, and the guy behind you goes with the person you're trying to pass then it's not going to work out. So, um, all of those deposits in the bank, you try to make buddies yes, or last week at Daytona pushing the right guys at the right time. And I think uh, it seems like more guys are more apt to stay in my rear bumper these days now uh, after all the success we've had at the Speedway. So hopefully that continues here tomorrow. Go to Lee Spencer. LeeSpencerCatchFence.com. I talked to Chase Briscoe yesterday, and he described the racing here as sketchy. And he said, especially during qualifying, maybe 12 guys will hold it wide open around the track. Are you one of those 12? I was one of those 12, but I qualified 30th. Uh, so I don't, for whatever reason, it doesn't translate. Uh, sometimes the ones that drive good are, are pretty slow. Um, and I've also had bad driving ones here, too. So, um, you know, I anticipate Fords being strong with as strong as they were in qualifying last week. I think Penske cars qualified one, two, three here the last race. So those guys are going to be... Uh, tough to beat as always they know how to make a race car go fast in a circle um, that hasn't been our strong suit qualifying at any speedway I don't think we've we've qualified with a two in front of it at all ever so if we can do that that would be a huge win and and give us a little bit more pace to be offensive in the race um, but you think it, it looks it looks easy just going around there by yourself but you know that the guys have all the rounds taken out of them for qualifying and you're sitting on essentially three bump stops uh, with I don't know, 60 pounds of air in the tires, and uh, you are on the razor edge of grip by yourself. So they, they make them a little less sketchy to drive in the race, but uh, it's still you can put yourself in a bad spot pretty quick. And do you kind of look at Spire in its current configuration as Spire 2.0 compared to where you were a year ago, given the investments from Gamebridge, given the alliances that you all have made, the relationship with Trackhouse? Oh, it's a completely different team. Um, you know, the the transition to the shop, but just the shop's one thing, right? But the the Gamebridge relationship, the the new teammates, the the added engineering, um, the more help from GM and Hendrick Engines and Hendrick Pit Crews, like it's not even remotely the same the same team. Addition of, of Doug Ducart too is like it'd be nice to come into a situation like this, but um, you know, I I was from the dry race board with the with the uh, expo marker trying to figure out how to get to this point. So rarely does it ever work out where a vision that, that Jeff and TJ or somebody like that that has grandiose visions come to life and it's pretty it's pretty cool to be a to be a part of that. And um it's almost like 
we we just started being like a legitimate race team. The last three years have just been like, how can we just go and put a race car on the racetrack? So the the intention of going to the racetrack is a little bit different, and the expectations are different also. Let's go to Kelly Crandall and then Dustin Long. Kelly Crandall, Racer.com. Corey, along those same lines, every year with this team, you've been more and more optimistic about what the goals and expectations can be. So I guess everything that you just said, is that why this year will be different? Is that why this year this organization can take that, that next step forward that you've been saying is coming? Uh, I mean, we have been taking steps forward every year. Um, you know, we've had some good runs on occasion and not very frequent and not very consistent. Uh, but every measurable category statistically were better last year um, from the year prior to that. And I don't anticipate this year being any different. We're going to take a step. Now, taking steps in the, isn't, in this garage isn't like 10 places. It isn't like going to go from a 25th place team to a championship four team overnight. That's not how it works. Um, but if you could, I mean, a tangible step forward sometimes it might be one spot or two spots because now you get, you know, there's 24 factory teams essentially between Toyotas and Fords and, and, and Chevrolets, right, that are, that are key partner teams. So for us to be in that 20th, 16th to 20th fringe playoff team on points, you're beating eight teams that are, that are fully funded, fully resourced, um, and we're still on the, on the outside looking in when it comes to, to key partner information. So um, I feel like we've done a, a great job, Ryan Sparks, especially overachieving for the for the resources that we've had, um, and we're going to continue to take uh, maybe not be noticeable to many of you guys in here, but we are going to be better in the amount of top fives we have, the amount of top tens we have. There's not a measurable amount, um, but it's going to be more, uh, and we just have lofty goals in terms of. So we, I can lay it right out. So we. We have, for the bonus structure of guys in the shop, we separate the Daytona 500 as its own race because you race that one a bit different because you want to have a good points day and you want to cash the check. So we essentially start the season as a race team here at Atlanta, and we break the season up in seven five-race mini-seasons. And if you have a better, uh, if you have a finish better than average finish over those five races, better than 20th, you acquire a certain amount of points. It's like 80-something uh, we set the benchmark of all these 19th and better uh, metrics with laps led or laps completed, average finishing position. If you hit those markers for the five-race mini-season, then everybody in the shop gets a bonus. Even the truck guys get a bonus from if a, a cup team hits it. So we introduced that last year. It made the season much more palpable. You know, it, it gets long and grueling, but it allows you to kind of reset and attack each five race segment with with intention and and some some attainable goals, and I think we hit it two out of the five last year or two out of the two out of the seven last year. We came short on two more, um, so if we can just hit all those all those little uh, mini season benchmarks, I think that should put us up in the conversation as you know right on the fringe, maybe on the outside looking in of of pointing our way into the playoffs, but obviously. Uh, you feel pretty good about it if you can get a notch in that win column to be in the playoffs. I was going to bring that up, the, the postseason. Is it, I don't want to say playoffs or bust, but is it at least looked at now as realistic potentially for this team? I think there's a couple of us uh, internally, particularly Doug, myself, and Sparks, that, and Dickerson, uh, of like we feel as though if we execute 
um, we can be in the playoffs. Um, that's that would be a large that's a reaching goal, but uh, the only way you can score is is, is if you if you have a goal. So. Um, the goals, also the goals that we set out for a team three years ago, some of them were just, let's, let's just finish the race here, literally. Um, so we've continued to move our benchmark and raise the bar for our goals, and I think the, the bar for this year for our team is the playoffs. And if we can get close to that, I think it would make a lot of guys, uh, myself included, really happy. I think we, uh, I've matured as a driver behind the wheel as well as off, um, and I think we are It'll be a dogfight. It, it would be it'll be an absolute dogfight. But I think if we execute for the next 20 weeks, 24 weeks, I think we could be in that conversation. All right, Dustin Long. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, Corey, there was a lot of talk last week about the about the fuel saving and how you know obviously at the end of the race you guys raced, but beforehand it was is kind of building up to that um, and raises a lot of questions potential maybe seeing some of that to some degree here obviously fuel savings always a big in any race are there are there any things that can be done to lessen the impact or the focus on uh, fuel saving from a team competitors perspective whether it's change on pit road change with the cars or change elsewhere or is this what everybody's got I don't know um, you know I think everybody seems to have a quick fix and you know, not much thought behind it when it comes to the people that actually have to make the decisions. Those guys are the ones that are looking at the data, because sometimes you try, you think it's going to be a fix, and then it creates four more problems. Uh, because there are world-class crew chiefs and engineers that will sit there and nitpick thousands of an inch or thousands of a mile in terms of mile per gallon uh, to try to make the race as advantageous for themselves as possible. Do I like? working to try to get the lead and then get yelled at by your crew chief because you're burning too much fuel? No, right? But what am I do? Get Let just six or seven guys go by me so I can ride at 60%? No. Um, so I, I don't love that that's how, that's how it's kind of worked, but uh, I understand that that's kind of the, the, the game that's presented right now with everybody's equal as it is and you want to be on pit road or in your box the least amount of time possible to leapfrog the guys you're in front of. I don't have a. I don't. I don't look at enough data to to be able to make a fix. And I think anybody that sits here and says they do have a fix is probably not correct. Um, so, but I do know that NASCAR doesn't like um, the fact that the entire field is running at 5150s, uh, and the guy single car running would qualify two seconds faster than them. So I'm sure they're going to be looking at it. Also, uh, last week Ryan Blaney referenced the uh, the mouth guard that he wears and noted that how his big impacts, he had a 55G impact, a 70G impact, and mm. his crashes at Daytona that were registered off of that. You've been very involved in that program for the last, I think, few years. Mm. Uh, how much has that program developed and that mouth guard, and how does that help you as a competitor? Um, again, it's giving some additional information, and, uh, as Blaney referenced. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I haven't been the crash test dummy for him too much like Ryan Blaney has lately. Appreciate him collecting the, the data for us. Um, yeah, so when, when they first came out, they've been working with Wake Forest. Those guys are those guys are top notch, and I think really and truly it just speaks to the investment that NASCAR is making with with the health of drivers and seeing how much, especially when the next gen stuff and all the all the comments about how stiff and rigid the cars were, they wanted to actually see how much energy transferred to the drivers. And the first couple mouth 
piece designs were pretty clunky and they sat in the top of your mouth and you you sounded like you were talking with a mouth of peanut butter but um some, something that um we came up with was i mean i wear like a, a night guard like an invisalign invis at night to, and we actually put all the hardware on the outside of your teeth which is something they hadn't done before because normally for football players you want everything inside and on the top of your mouth so for how how our races are, right, there's no contact to your helmet. We were able to put the hardware on the outside, and that got probably 15 or 18 guys more interested in wearing them because you can actually talk and it's comfortable. So we've continued to evolve that. Um, they've got some really cool stuff from, like, the bus stop at Watkins Glen, uh, certain areas of the racetracks where uh, are really high peak G load, whether it's up and down or left to right. Um, and then we've also worked really hard on, on that uh, – on the headrests around foam as well, so it, it's all correlating, and and that's been a really big that's been a really big piece to help understand head uh, head knocks in our sport. All right, we'll take our last question from Bob Pockers. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. You've come so close here. You said that one of the reasons why was that you know you didn't you hadn't been in that position before. So now that you've been in that position, are you confident in what? you will do if put in that position again? Well, I, I can assure you this, Bob, that I don't think any situation is the same, right? The, the characters and the players and the, and the point of the racetrack with the, how much run you have will never be the, exactly the same. So uh, I have relived that lap a couple years ago here at Atlanta when I tried to get to, to Chase's right rear. And, and the moment I thought that it was kind of a racing thing, it was probably like a, a one-half step like over the line of what would not be considered dirty, but nonetheless, he did what he had to do to win. And, um, you know, with the experience here at Speedways, there's there are things that I'm going to do different. Um, preferably be the one in, in front, right? It's much easier to defend than it is to be offensive on the last lap. So we're going to do all we can to put ourselves in that position here tomorrow. All right. Thanks for the time, and best of luck this weekend. Thanks, guys. We are now joined by Joey Logano, driver of the number 22, Team Penske Ford. If you have a question for Joey, please raise your hand, and we'll get a mic over to you. We'll start up here with Dustin Long. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. A lot of talk since last week's Daytona 500 about the fuel-saving role and how it played into it. Obviously, fuel saving has been a part of every race, and it always will be, but I'm curious with the – excessive amount that you guys had to do and have had to do here lately how do you have to look at that to presenting a different product to the fans moving forward and how does that change and how much is that going to be the case this weekend too yeah I mean, we, we talk about all the time how the draft evolves evolves and how people evolve over time and you can't unlearn things well this is kind of the next step of speedway racing as uh, the field's closer and closer. It's harder and harder to pass. Uh, how do you cycle yourself ahead of the pack? Well, pretty obvious what it, what the answer is last week, and uh, it was to where only a couple teams were doing it. Now it's all the teams doing it. Um, how do you fix it? I, I don't know if there is a fix besides doing something to eliminate, you know, stage cautions or something like that like like we tried at the uh at the road courses or just adding more stages which i don't know if i really want that um right to where they just but even then i, I don't know i don't know what the fix is 
I do think it adds a different storyline for sure. Um, you know, there was that first stage where we were going so slow that everyone behind us was about to be able to bridge it to where they didn't have to pit. And at that point, we took off and left. And to me, it was like Tour de France. That's what it felt like to me. It was like everyone's in this peloton or whatever they call it, and they, a couple of runners take off, and they say, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? You know, they're trying to drag the pack along and get them up to speed. And uh, and that they everybody did kind of get up to speed after that. So it's a different strategy, and it's, it's interesting. Um, it's a different way of racing. It's still a race, right? Like this, it's still part of the race. It's just a different way of doing it and uh it's up to you know everybody in this room uh to really educate the fans on what this next step is and why we're doing it um as much as we want to say we want to run 100 percent all the time uh it's all well and good but there's also just the strategy race that sometimes is pretty interesting from a i understand what a personal preference probably be to this question from a strategy preference is it better to be leading, or is it be better to be a few cars back and saving more fuel? Uh, and even for for Sunday's race, I know this track's more narrow; it's a little bit different. Do you want to be yeah. leading, or, or is it better to be leading, or better to be in a little further back? It's a little different here. Um, I mean, it, it's yeah. Look at it: the further back you are, yeah, the more fuel you can save, but the less control you have. Um, so you can't control the speed of the pack anymore. So you're you're kind of at the mercy of what's going on in front of you. Um, you're in a little bit more of a dangerous spot at that point of the race. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to choose more towards the front, maybe not the leader, but towards the front. But sometimes you are where you are. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there's not much shuffling. You know, after a few laps after the restart, it was kind of like this is where everyone settled in and they were you know, content with what they were doing. And so that, that can continue here maybe. Um, not as wide of a racetrack, a little harder to gain track position, takes a little longer to, to move through the field. Right? You see some restarts last week where, you know, if you went for it, you can go from the back to the front really, really quick if everyone's saving fuel. Uh, and you can kind of catch them, you know, off guard a little bit. But I don't know if that happens as much here. LeeSpencerCatchFence.com. Do you want to control the race or do you want your strategist controlling the race from, you know, the pit box, the war room, wherever? Yeah, when I say control the race, like we, we as a team, not necessarily me as a driver. I mean, you driver. as a dri- do you as a driver want to be able to control your own race? Yeah, I mean, do I? I don't know if you ever do, completely, right? You, I mean, it's it's still a team sport. We talk about that all the time. Like, I'm not just going to go pull my own strategy out at any track and say it's the right one, right? I mean, they, they, those guys have way more data in front of them than what I have, right? Like, I have some interesting things around me and things that they can't see, but they also have a lot of things I can't see, and the best thing we can do is communicate and, and be on the same page together. So for the driver to just go rogue and do whatever he wants, I don't know if that's quite the good call. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work out every time. So rogue question two here. Coleman was mentioning Brad Keselowski a lot in the closing laps of that race last week and I'm wondering was that part of your strategy to be with Brad or it just seemed to be you know it it sounded like you were waiting on him and I'm just kind of curious does he do you have to make a call at some point when it doesn't behoove you or benefit you rather 
to worry about where Brad is and worry where Joey's going to be to get the best result for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Towards the end of the race, it was a good way to analyze it. Um, yeah, there's points that I could have left Brad to go block another lane. Um, and you can probably debate this either way on what the right thing to do is there. Um, but I felt like it was too early in the race to to bail on him. I know it's like eight to go, and he ended up bailing on me anyway. But I had my teammate behind that with Blaney, and that, that's the one I can trust. So I wanted to. I'd rather have you know the be sitting second in line behind Ross with Blaney behind me with eight to go. I feel like I have a better chance at that point because um, I have some loyalty behind me. Um, so, you know, last lap, maybe things change. You know, your moves you make, your decisions you make have to change. But with eight to go, it's a long ways to go in the race. If you lose your, your help at that point, you're on your own. I've been, at my, I've been on my own at the end of these races before, and it's if they gang up on you, you're a sitting duck. You got nothing. Um, so it, I was being patient. I was just waiting. And I knew eventually Ross was going to miss a block, and I was going to, you know, slip him again. It already happened once there towards the end of the race there, so it's going to happen again. Um, so I was just being patient, and just unfortunately got wrecked before we can really see things through. Yep. Let's go to Chris Knight. Chris Knight, com. Joey, last year Ford dominated qualifying here in the spring, capturing top eight spots led by you after the speed you guys showed last weekend in Daytona. Can Ford do it, do it again here in Atlanta? I like to think so. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the thing these days. No practice. You can go straight into qualifying. I, I don't know. Uh, but I'd say, you know, all signs showing good for qualifying today, considering what we did last year here and what happened in Daytona. But, you know, you never know. Speed should be fast, though. It should be. A lot different here, though. I mean, everyone trims their cars differently and looks for different things, so it could be could be a little different. Still early, still early to tell, but so far so good, yes. Do we have any additional questions? Let's go up to Bob Pachris. Bob Pachris, Fox Sports. Does this race, does your approach change any or preparation or what you might try to do considering it's a playoff race now in the fall? Now, um, now our approach is the same. It doesn't really change. I mean, the goal is to win whether it's a playoff race later or, you know, one coming up to it or it's not in the playoffs at all, it doesn't really matter. Um, our approach is the same. Preparation is the same. Dustin Long. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. It used to be at Daytona, it's like, hey, the season starts the next week. Well, here it's <laughs> now what people are saying starts in two weeks uh, from Daytona. Can you give me a sense of what you learn and pick up as a team or understanding these first two weeks of Speedway races and what you're looking for then when the series goes to Vegas and, and Phoenix and how the things, how, how it's your different mindset? Yeah, I mean, the season starts when the green flag drops in Daytona. Um, I would even argue sometimes it starts at the clash. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a race, and I, I kind of like that as the beginning. But um, as far as knowing what you have in your car, right, to answer the question of what do you think of the new Dark Horse Mustang, I, I can't answer it completely yet. Right? So far, all signs are showing great, but we don't know that until we get to Vegas and Phoenix and, and Bristol and kind of see where we're at from a speed perspective. But as far as the season started, yeah, they're giving points out. <laughs> they're giving trophies out. They're giving money out. <laughs> we better go get it. It doesn't really matter uh, 
you know, all the other stuff. It's it's interesting with two speedways to start. Um, that does change the game some, but there's still the execution. The team's still here. Everybody's here. There's a lot going on still. Yep. Any final questions? All right. Thanks, Joey. Best of luck this weekend. Great. Thank you, guys. We are now joined by John Hunter Nemechek, driver of the number 42 Legacy Motor Club Toyota. If you have a question for John Hunter, raise your hand. We'll start right up here with Jacob and then Kelly. Jacob Seelman, Race Face Digital. John Hunter, uh, not a bad start for Legacy on the Cup side this year, and I know Eric had kind of circled that during media day. How important, not just for shop morale, but for you as a driver coming back to the Cup Series, was the team getting off to a fast start and coming out of Daytona in one piece? Uh, yeah, very grateful that we came out in one piece for sure. Um, I'm excited about this year, uh, getting the year kicked off at Daytona. There's been a lot of hard work over the off season uh, at Legacy Motor Club with the manufacturer swap to Toyota, a lot of new personnel hired, uh, pit crews in-house, uh, myself being new to the team. Um, there's so many things that are new. Uh, so to be able to go down to Daytona and, and have a solid run, show some speed, I feel like, in the duels and then in the race and uh, be able to come out of there with a clean car and finish top 10 was pretty good. But not only for myself, but also the 43 guys as well. Um, two cars in the top 10 is a pretty great start for us. You've experienced this reconfiguration in the Xfinity Series. Can you speak to the mental difference here being a narrower narrower drafting style track than Daytona or Talladega where things are happening, moves are happening so much faster compared to kind of what we're used to seeing on the bigger super speedways? Um, I, I think that this place, uh, I, I don't think that it's as treacherous as Daytona or Talladega with the big one. Um, things I feel like do happen a little bit faster here than uh, Daytona and Talladega. Um, I don't know about the cup car yet, um, but at least on the Xfinity side, uh, runs are a little bit bigger, um, but you tend to stall out a little bit faster as well. So um, it's trying to pick and choose your, your runs and your battles, and it kind of seems like it's more one lane dominant here at Atlanta uh, than Daytona or Talladega. Um, you can definitely get multiple lanes going, but um, I would say that there's pretty much one preferred lane here. Let's go to Kelly and then John. KellyCrandallRacer.com. John Hunter, I'm curious, why run double duty? Because you're doing 10 Xfinity races this year. With, with getting back in the Cup Series, and it's a completely different car than Xfinity, what was the thought process of still doing um, double duty, especially because early in the year you, you're doing, like, the first couple weeks? Why not? <laughs> um, no, I, I like to race. Um, I like to be in race cars, and I think more laps is, is more beneficial for myself, um, being able to work with the same group of guys at JGR on the 20 car minus positions I think everyone else is the same um, it was big for me this year to just come back and have fun and, and try and go win races um, not really uh, knowing what what the cup side has in store for for the first few as far as speed and different things uh, for myself I wanted to put myself in a situation where um, I could gain confidence on Saturday and go into Sunday and, and be able to go out there and strive and, and learn some things from Saturday to try and apply to Sunday. Um, but I'm a race car driver. I, I've, we could run all three every weekend. I would be raising my hand to, to get into that. With the cars being so different, have you found yourself 
um, anything in the cockpit or anything that is completely different that you're catching yourself on, you're not able to do or reach for something in that regard? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I think it's just remembering what transmissions are in each, um, where the switches are. Um, yesterday I went to kill the ignition switch after uh, finishing my lap and I reached to where my cup one is and it wasn't in the same spot. So um, just small things like that, but as far as everything else, it's pretty similar so far. Um, Daytona, Atlanta um, will definitely be similar. I feel like we're going to have more differences between the two cars um, when you get to Vegas, Phoenix, uh, Coda, places like that. Let's go to John Newby and then Lee Spencer. John Newby, NBC Sports. Obviously, winning a bunch got you back to where you are today, but were there other you know, racecraft things that you focused on during those few years back in trucks and Xfinity? Uh, I think the biggest thing for me um, was regaining confidence in myself. Uh, I felt like I could do it. I felt like I could go win races, but at the same time, I had to go prove that to myself and the rest of the garage. And, and having uh, Toyota TRD uh, as a manufacturer who believed in me was uh, a pretty big validation in that sort. Um, but I think racecraft-wise, just getting smarter, more mature, what positions to put yourself in. Um, I think every young kid, as you kind of grow up running through the ranks, you learn some things the hard way, and some things you learn the easy way. But the hard ones, you'll typically remember a little bit more than, than you will the easy ones. So um, for myself, it was it was just focusing on um, trying to complete the tasks, tasks at hand, and that was trying to go win races and put ourselves in the best possible spot, um, not getting ahead of ourselves if we got a penalty on pit road or whatever and had to go to the back, um, just trying to work your way back through. And, and most of all, um, I think just trying to be the veteran in, in those series. And uh, now the roles have reversed a little bit, so I got some learning to do. Lee Spencer, Catch Fence. Um, you have a small sample size with running just one race for Legacy last year, but what are the biggest changes you've seen since they've started their Toyota Alliance? Uh, to be honest, I, I wasn't super involved last year, so I don't really know exactly what was going on or um, what what the biggest significant changes were. Um, I feel like Eric could probably answer that a little bit better than myself, but um, for me, it, it it's been a great experience so far being able to have legacy work with Toyota TRD um, from a resource side to uh, motor side, body side, uh, the new Camry body. Um, there's so many different things that I feel like legacy didn't necessarily have um, the, the keys to access that information last year. Um, and, and I think it showed. They still had speed last year at quite a few racetracks, and they ran well and, and different things of that sort. But uh, with this year, with the alliance with Toyota TRD, um, I, I think that we should be able to be competitive most weeks. Um, I, I feel that deep down. So I would say the biggest changes is probably resources. Um, I think personnel is another big one. Um, quite a quite a few new faces to LMC um, this year. Um, Cal Wells now kind of running the team uh, with Jimmy um, and, and some other Hall of Famer faces that are involved as well. So um, it, it's great to be a part of that organization and to have so many great people around you. I've always been told you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with, and I feel like there's some greats there at Legacy Motor Club. Um, one in particular, maybe Matt Kenseth. Have you spent any time with Matt since coming on board? Yeah, I have. Um, I have. 
Matt is uh, Matt's a really funny guy for sure. Um, I've enjoyed Matt. I've enjoyed working with Matt, being able to to talk with Matt and uh, spend quite a bit of time with him, um, getting to know him better each and every time that that you spend time with him. Um, he's he's a funny dude. Uh, I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. But it, it has been really good to be able to work with Matt so far. Do Thanks. we have any additional questions for John Hunter? All right. Thanks for the time and good luck this weekend. of the Driver Diversity Driver Development Program, an alumni of that program, wins tonight's race, also collects the 100th win for Chevrolet at Daytona International Speedway. Nick, historic night for you, your first NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series win. Walk us through that, those final laps from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a pretty wild race, obviously what happened to us earlier um, kind of set the tone for it. But, yeah, right there, I mean, it was just – classical Daytona, right? Overtime restarts, you know, the odds of us finishing under green weren't really well, um, so I knew I was going to have to pretty much take the lead on the white flag and hope they wrecked, and uh, that happened, and yeah, it was kind of odd because, you know, the, the, our restart played out the same uh, in consecutive restarts with the 7 and 71 getting connected and kind of getting too big of a lead. And literally the same thing happened. Uh, me and the 17 passed them. So, yeah, that was kind of odd. I wasn't really expecting that to happen. Honestly, I kind of thought I lost the race around that last restart. But, yeah, it worked out. Okay, we're going to open up the floor for questions. If you have a question, we'll get a wireless mic to you. We'll start here with Jacob. Jacob Zielman, Race Face Digital. Uh, Nick, congratulations first off. Uh, 20... It, Matt mentioned it right off the top, 20th anniversary of the Drive for Diversity program first kicking off, and for Rev Racing, pretty historic night. For you to be an alumni of the program, but to be the one that's gone up to trucks and taken this leap with Max, what does this win mean for the organization as a whole? Yeah, I definitely think it's big, and obviously Max, I've been with Max since 2017 in Legend Cars, so we've come up through the ranks together, you know, um, from grassroots all the way to here, and, you know, this is his first win in the truck series, and, yeah, it's pretty cool, because I know it's just going to put more eyes on Rev Racing, more eyes on the program, and uh, showing that it works, and it's proven, and now our goal is to do this on Sundays. So. Maybe something that doesn't, you know, even you don't necessarily talk a whole lot about, but I know is important to you is your family heritage. Um, you become the, I believe, the second driver of Cuban descent to win a national series race. You join Eric Almarola in that category. Uh, pretty exclusive club, but what, what's it mean to you just to carry that on and kind of let, you know, let this be your mark a little bit? Yeah, it's definitely cool, you know, to be a little different in that sense, right? Sanchez and, you know, when a lot of fans see me, um, they definitely notice that, right? I might not look it, but I'm very much uh, Cuban-American. And, yeah, to do it in Daytona, that's, you know, I wouldn't call it a home-home race, like a homestead, but we're pretty, I would say we're pretty close, right? No, you know, there's a lot of uh, Latin fan base here, so it's pretty cool to get it here of all places. And yeah, awesome. Steven Stumpfrenchers.com. Nick, congratulations on the win. Last year, you were so you guys were so close on many occasions. I think back to that Texas race and that final restart. You won five poles, led a ton of laps. Did all the heartbreaks you guys had last year, did that make this one even sweeter to finish it off? A hundred percent. It definitely did, right? Because you look at my 
stats from last year, and every box is checked, I guess, but a championship and a win, right? You know, stage wins, laps led, sweeping, everything, right? You know, we did everything. We were up front every week, and it never panned out. And, you know, I take the blame for a lot of it, you know, uh, small mistakes. And I knew this year, you know, I didn't have the rookie excuse, right? You know, you can't make the same mistake twice. And I feel like I definitely lost Atlanta last year um, on my end. And, you know, I hopefully I redeemed myself tonight on that. So I, I definitely, you know, ranked this one up there with uh, with Atlanta as races that probably should have won, that we won. Um, so a little redemption from there. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just happy to get the first one, right? You know, the first one, my opinion, is always the hardest. And it's even harder when you're so close and you lead laps and you do everything but win. Um, it, it really sucks to get poles and all that stuff and not come back with trophies. And then at the end of last year, I know there's a lot of pressure for you guys to, to point your way into the playoffs. You ended up going pretty far. How much of a relief is it also to just, you know, have that locked in right now? Yeah, I mean, it's huge, right? We don't have to worry about it. And I was points racing all last year. And when I made the playoffs, then it just reset and it started over again. And, it, you know, you you can't really take risks um, in in a series like this with a point situation like this. You know, I, I think I finished 26 or worse the first two races last year. And I'm pretty sure I was like 30th in points going into Atlanta. So not a good position. And today, you know, we didn't really start off much better with our stage point scenario. But I think, you know, it's just the part of maturing as a race car driver and realizing, you know, give up some stage points to just go for the win at the end and, you know, when it's time to execute, execute. Go next to Zach. Zach Sterniello, NASCAR.com. Nick, congratulations on this. What was this offseason like from your perspective? What did you feel like you needed to work on to, to be able to get to this point and, and, and close the deal? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, honestly, I've been working on my stage threes, right? You know, Speed, stage one, stage two, all of that for me is fine. Um, you know, I, I feel like I was green in a lot of sense last year, and I wouldn't let the race come to me. You know, I'd try to be on top of it, but in that process, I'd kind of lose the race in a way. So, I, you know, just a lot of studying, a lot of looking at debriefs, and just honestly approaching this year with a mentality of driving, right? You know, I didn't, honestly, I really didn't look at a lot of film for this race. You know, I wanted to kind of drive intuitive, um, not really by a book, and just kind of wanted to merely drive and have fun, and I feel like that's when I'm at my best. And back. Kenneth Bueno, Capital News at FIU. First of all, Nick, congratulations on the win. Great job there at the end. I want to talk about the intuition that you mentioned and not really watching a lot of film in preparation for tonight's race at Daytona. How much did you dig in terms of the experience on that intuition from, like you said, the polls that you've recruited here at Daytona, the race that you had here last year where – you know, ultimately didn't go your way at the end. How did that experience help you, especially in that final restart, to give you the sense of, okay, I got this going to the checkered flag? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, you go off a of feel, right? You know, um, there's a lot of things that pointed for me, you know, to pick the top or to do this or do that. And, you know, me and my spotter, Derek Nealon, we just felt like what we did was the right thing. And even even I questioned it at the last minute, and he reaffirmed it. And that's just us, you know, living in the moment and just kind of taking it step by step, you know, not getting ahead of ourselves. And I think that's the best way to race. And the best plan here is to have really no plan. And last year I had a plan. I rode around and it rained. And there's no good way. And it didn't start off too hot in the race with pretty much getting collected in the wreck. But I guess that's Daytona, right? You know, you're spinning one time, winning the other. I don't know. And speak of Daytona, I remember the conversation 
Late last season at Homestead about winning at your home race, right, as a Miami native coming to Homestead and Miami Speedway, while you weren't able to get the win last season there, I mean, talk about the specialty of still winning at a track as prestigious as Daytona in a state that you were born in, a state that you were grew up and raised in as well. Yeah, it's definitely cool. You know, even though it's not in my hometown, it definitely hits home, right? You know, I've come to Daytona many times. You know, it's in Florida. Uh, scenery, everything about it is Florida and is kind of like home for me. And, yeah, honestly, I really – if you would have asked me, you know, yesterday what winning at Daytona would have meant, I probably wouldn't have said a whole lot, and I'm pretty sure I've said that in an interview. And honestly, after winning, it, it's pretty surreal. Um, you don't realize how important it is till you do win here. And yeah, now the, now the goal is to do this, you know, uh, on Sundays. <laughs> Go to Chris and the Davy. Hey, Nick, uh, Chris Gollum with WNDB. Uh, congratulations on your first career win. Uh, you touched a little bit in the beginning that you were wanting to make sure you got out front on the final lap because you didn't feel really all that confident that it was going to end under green. You wanted to be in that position. But I saw at the time of the wreck, part of the reason why it seemed that your your truck was clear of the wreck is because you had a couple truck lengths on the, the field when it started to occur. Um, but we've also seen at Daytona where being out front a couple car or truck links on the last lap on the back stretch has led to getting overtaken uh, on the last lap there. So when you kind of saw that distance, were you, were you worried at all that if it did stay green, uh, a run might come, or were you, you feel pretty good about that spot? I felt pretty good, and, you know, most of the restarts prior, I'd honestly kind of lifted off of two to, you know, kind of get back to his bumper. And you're pretty vulnerable when you do that. So I, my truck had a lot of speed, right? So I knew – if they got to me, they, it was probably going to be off of four. And I'd much rather take my chances on losing it at the start-finish line than losing it um, on the backstretch under caution. So I just – I've seen it replay in my head a million times, and I just, just try to drive. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Go next to Davey. Davey Siegel with SiriusXM. Good Shabbos. <laughs> um, I know that your family has gone through a lot to get to this point as well. What was the emotions that went through you when you saw your mom at Victory Lane? Yeah, no, they were definitely excited. And, you know, obviously we've been so close so many times that uh, they probably didn't want to get their hopes up. And I'm going to be honest, I kept telling myself I wasn't going to win it at the end because uh, in my head I wasn't, and it worked. But, yeah, no, I think they're definitely going to enjoy it. You know, it's kind of like it kind of feels like home for them. Um and my parents and grandparents here, so I think they're going to enjoy it a good bit. You're also in the playoffs now. Yeah. How much of a weight lifted is awesome. that for you? That's amazing. I'm tired of points racing. Obviously, you have to do it. But hopefully, I don't have to, or luckily, I don't have to points race till what, September, whenever the hell that starts. <laughs> Go next to Matt and then to Bob. Matt Weaver, Sports Not. <laughs> One kind of big picture truck series question for you. The uh, driver's meeting heading into the season and this weekend. I understand it was kind of a stern talking to, and I'm curious, what was your impression of that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was valid after Phoenix. Um, you know, it was, that was a pretty wild race, and um, obviously none of us are uh, innocent. So, yeah, no, I think it was good, and I think this was a good place to have that. You know, I know we had our wrecks, but there wasn't any silly things happening. And, yeah, I mean, the truck series could put on really good races when we're clean. But sometimes it gets out of hand, and, you know, obviously that's when NASCAR steps in. So I think it was definitely valid. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a ass-chewing, <laughs> I hate to use that word, but it definitely wasn't an ass-chewing. Um, it was more like, you know, a warning. And uh, I, 
I mean, I was a part of the race. I don't think it was really bad. I know there were some wrecks, but I thought the racing was pretty good. So, I don't know. Hopefully, we made him proud. <laughs> Go next to Bob. Uh, Bob Parker's Fox Sports. Obviously, with the new Spire relationship, did it seem like this is a new team? Did it seem like an old team? Did it seem like a mix? And what does it mean to win kind of in that, if it is kind of a new team to win on the first time out? Yeah, it was definitely a mix, you know, because there were so many constants that stayed the same. Um, you know, I have four great guys that go to the track with me every week that, you know, they were the same ones uh, that raced with me last year. Um, you know, this is the same truck you're in at Talladega and Daytona, right? So I've been in it before. I've driven it. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a new organization in, in a way, uh, going from KBM to Spire. And, you know, we had three trucks in the shop and now we have four trucks and three cup cars. So there's always going to be questions raised, you know, are you neglecting the truck program? Are you, uh, you focusing on cup? You, you have your hands in too many places and hopefully we answered that today. And I think, you know, it's definitely as, as big for rev racing to myself as it is for Spire. Um, cause you know, Obviously, they're building the trucks now, and um, we obviously share a mutual sponsor in Gainbridge. So I think it's big for all parties, and you know I think it'll translate to good things on Sundays. Do we have any questions in the press box? Going once, going twice. <laughs> 